0: Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. If you've, if you've been here a little while, sometimes we, we worship for a while. I believe we're just we're getting ready for heaven. It's what it's going to be like. But if you're ever like, man, I've been standing a while, you can sit down. It really is okay. I know some of you do that. But um, just so you know, you have permission to move around the room. You have permission to sit, stand, dance, however you respond to the Lord. This is a house. There's, there's freedom to respond to the Lord. And uh, it's how it should be. It's how it should be. You know, King David tapped into New Testament worship, New Covenant worship in under an old covenant Um, he knew the heart of the lord he displayed for us what worship is meant to look like and um it's and i'm not saying just the moment that he danced before the lord he's well known for that i think that's part of it i think i think for us we have to learn to rejoice in his presence we've got to learn to be free it's what you were made for and um I believe that that's something we don't just either, we don't just manufacture either. It's easy to get excited, but it's something about when you begin to really respond to the Lord. Something about when you really begin to say yes to Him, because He's good. And I don't know about you, but when I recognize His goodness, I wanna explode inside. I'm like, gosh, I gotta, I gotta do something. I gotta move my hands. And a lot of times we're so worried about what it might look like Look, I, I know there's plenty of times the way I move in the Lord's presence is, I probably look like a goofball, but I just don't care anymore. I just have to let myself respond. You're, the Bible, all of creation, including your flesh and your body, wants to respond to the Lord. It is longing and waiting for the Lord. And fear of man and fear of what people will think will restrict you from being who he's made you to be. And, uh, and I believe that the Lord wants his church to be free from the fear of man. And, um, f- and it doesn't, look, we, we love and respect each other, but I much rather respond to the Lord than you, to be honest, you know? That's just it's me, I love you, I will respond to you, maybe. If you guys who know I take forever to respond to a text message. Um, but I just believe we're in a day where the Lord is saying, come on. Come on, we're in a world where everybody is so worried about what everybody else thinks. He said, I've called you to a different life. I've called you to a different way of doing things. If it's restrictive, it's not the kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all ready for the word today? Awesome. I am aware of the time, but we're just gonna say, Lord, whatever you wanna do. Come on, why don't we just say that? Lord, whatever you wanna do. All of you who don't meant it, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> you're like, Lord, can I know first what you want to do, and then I can, you know. But it's not how it works with the Lord. You say yes, and then you find out. But it's always good. Hey, today, I, I want to talk to you, and we'll see how far we get. This might end up being um, more than a one-week thing, but I want to talk to you about the New Covenant, and I want to talk to you, how many of you know there throughout, God, God relationally with man has always operated on covenant. Okay? He's always, which says a lot about him, that he's relational. And that he's a God who is looking to, he's not looking to just make a deal. Covenant isn't just a deal. Covenant is like, I'm giving you myself. And some covenants have been better than others throughout, but every one of them has served a purpose, okay? I believe before the foundations of the earth, you had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they thought up humanity with affection and with love and with relationship in mind and knew knew what the cost would be in order to have right relationship with humanity who had a free will. And I'm not gonna get deep into the the theology of that, because that, that's a whole nother sermon, but I want to make this point, is that God is a God of covenant. And the new covenant, I'm going to hit very um, lightly on the old covenant, the law, what we knew as the previous covenant. And, um, but the new covenant is this. It is what was done for you, what is done in you, and what is done through you, okay? I'll say, and I'm gonna break all that down, but it is what was done for you, <clears throat> it was what was done in you, and what was done through you, okay? So let's, let's if, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be, I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture today, but it's all gonna be out of the same um, book, out of Hebrews, and we're gonna start in chapter eight, verse eight. <clears throat> Why don't you turn to somebody and say, for you. That's where we're gonna start, how the covenant affected, what the covenant meant for you. It starts with this, it says, but God revealed the defect and limitation of the first, talking about the first covenant, when he said to his people, Look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant. So he is coming and he is saying, I'm showing you that we need a new covenant because the other covenant is deficient. Okay? It wasn't, it, it didn't fully display, my, it, it didn't have the power to bring us into the relationship that I always wanted. And I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment. Um. So then it goes on to say, it will be an entirely different covenant than the one I made with their fathers when I led them by my hand out of Egypt. So we know that the first covenant that that they're talking about was made with the people being led out of Egypt and they were given the 10 commandments, right? And then they were given the law. And um, so that was the first covenant. And it says, for they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I rejected them, says the Lord God. For here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel. I will embed my laws within their hearts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be loyal, I will be their loyal God, and they will be my loyal people. So in this right here, these last few sentences, here's the distinction. Concerning the last covenant says, for they did not remain the new covenant, he says, I will embed my laws. I will. I will. The old covenant was us trying to get to God. New covenant was God getting to us. I like the covenant we're under right now. The old covenant of me getting to God, it was only there to show me that I could never do it. Okay? It was, it was the... Let me show you that in your own strength, you could never live up to my righteousness and holiness. It, was the, it wasn't God picking on us. It was him saying, you need a savior. You need me. I think at the end of the day, Israel was like, yeah, we need a savior. We're not very good at this. We're not good at this. Has anybody in their own strength tried to be righteous and say, at the end of the day, you say, I'm not very good at this. Anybody, I I know me, I know there's a few of you who are like perfect and (laughs) you should be up here preaching. Um, I'm messing, I'm messing. But he goes on, I will be their loyal God and they will be my loyal people. I love that we are his loyal people because first he's demonstrated loyalty. It's how the new covenant works is that whatever he demonstrates and we see, we get to inherit and become. That's why, that's why he was able to say, be holy for I am holy. He was saying, I'm gonna demonstrate my holiness and it's gonna release you to be holy, right? He said this, you can't punish yourself into purity. That has become, a, for a long time, that has been the voice of the church. Let me beat you up until you're better. What God does is he, li- li- he leads by example and invitation. He says, this is who I am and now I'm inviting you into it. That's the new covenant where he actually reveals himself in Christ Jesus. And Colossians says, as we see Jesus, we find out who we are and what we're living for. It actually, as we see him, it empowers us through his, by his Holy Spirit to become like him. You were made in the very image of God. It's who you're supposed to be. Not saying that you are God, but you are made like him. You are meant to carry his attributes and his nature. Each one of you are an expression of God in the earth. And you don't get to tap into that and fully come into it by your own strength and ability. It comes from surrender and dependence on Jesus. That's the new covenant. It's so much better, so much better. So you're telling me all I gotta do, it's just say yes to him and surrender, and I get, I get an inheritance, and I get to walk in that, I get to walk in freedom, all the things I've been trying to do for so long, all the things that I, I failed at miserably, and you're saying that you won the victory, and then you tell me it's mine. You give me credit, that's the new covenant. Jesus is not ashamed to share his glory with you. You get to you are an, a co-heir with Christ. The gospel will always be better than you think. Every time you see it in a new way and how good it is, it's still better. Amen. All right, all right. Let's keep going. He says there will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers by saying you should know. Yahweh, since everyone will know me inwardly, from the most unlikely to the most distinguished, or from the youngest to the oldest, he said, For I will demonstrate my mercy to them, and I will forgive their evil deeds, and never again, their, and never remember again their sins. Let me ask you this Is that your reality? Do you really believe that God has completely forgotten your sins? Are you still holding them over your head? Um So old covenant, us getting to God, New covenant, God to us. God has gotten to you through Jesus on the cross, and by giving you His Holy Spirit. Okay. So this has all been done for you, so what's our part? It's to walk in it. It's to believe Him. It's to receive. It's to say yes to him, it's to learn from him. Last week, we talked about discipleship. It is becoming a disciple. It is saying, Jesus, teach me. I needed you for salvation, and I need you for sanctification, I need you for perfection, I need you. It doesn't happen without you. You know, Paul talked to the Galatians, right? And they, underst- they were taught this new covenant that by grace they were saved. That it was the goodness of God that led them to repentance. It was his goodness. It was what he has done in them. But then these people came along and said, oh, yes, that's all true, but this is also true that you still need to do this. And Paul talked to me said, who has, who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you? Why, starting in the spirit, are you ending up in the flesh? See, the new covenant is a covenant of the spirit, It is not a flesh thing where when we talk about the flesh doing things in the strength of the flesh, meaning that you are trying to earn and accomplish what Christ has already done for you. Now, the new covenant does not lead to inactivity in our lives. Maybe you're saying, well, does that mean we're just like, you know, grace, we're good, now we just do whatever we want, no. The grace of God, which we're about to read and talk about, is the grace of God and the goodness of God, the spirit in you causes you to walk like Jesus. There should be a transformation that happens and there should be a rearranging of what you value in life and what is important. That's what happens when you are in close proximity with him is your value system changes. What's important in life, how we go about life, how we do everything, it revolves around him. Amen? So I believe today is the first thing that the Lord's wanting to do is say, this was done for you. The canoe covenant was done for you. Has nothing to do with what you could do. So there's no, there's no like chart as far as like where, you know, You you're worked in sales and there's the charts and everybody's competing and who's better than the other? There's none of that in the kingdom as far as righteousness, okay? It's not your righteousness, it's his. There's no competition. There's no, well, he's a good person, he's a good person, and he, you know, we'll pray for him, okay? It is what you actually are able to receive, okay? So it's a level playing field. Right, it's his righteousness. It's whether or not you've received it or not. It's already there for you. One example we've given is it's like having a million bucks in the bank and you don't know it. It's like you got this account. It's done, it's there for you, it's yours. It's got your name on it, your social is attached to it, nobody else has access. But until you realize that it's yours and you know what is yours and you actually go and you receive that, it's for you worthless because you haven't received it. And so grace is received by faith, meaning that we come to him and we believe he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? Y'all with me? All right, the new covenant's good. It's what, it is our reality, it's what we live in. This isn't just a church story. This is reality, this is the highest reality. It's, easier to, it's easy to look in front of you in your day to day and just what you've got going on and not be aware of what has happened in the heavenlies And but we have to be a spiritually minded people who are not controlled by just what we see in the scene is we have to learn to tap into the unseen realm and be aware of every day. We should process our lives through the new covenant. Every decision, everything that happens to us, every person we come in contact with, how we treat people, how we live our lives, what happens in secret, it should all be processed through the new covenant. Right? That's what he's doing. And I'm not beating you up if you're like, I haven't. Look, I'm learning. I'm, like, I, I get up here and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm learning. But as the Lord teaches, as he teaches each one of us, that's the beautiful thing about the body is that we should teach one another the kingdom, the ways of the kingdom. Right? All right. So, he freed us from the grip and effects of sin A true revelation of the new covenant leads to a right identity. All right, so the first part was what the new covenant, it was done for you, it's about God getting to you. The second part is what's done in you. What what effect does the new covenant have in you? And I believe this has a lot to do with worship. When you are free, and you know you are free from sin and shame, when you know that, like even, even if I do sin, there's, there's mercy and grace. I can go, I can be open, I can be free. I'm free from the effects of sin, that's the new covenant. It doesn't have a hold on me. I don't give it a place to, ha- to rule and reign in my life. That's where you're supposed to live, is that you are not dominated by sin in your life. And, just, and, 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 it's, and it's this life as you are realizing what he's done for you, it doesn't become the domineering voice in your life. It's even though it might present itself in my life, is I know that I am not giving its place. You know, I went, I went to this amazing like, conference this weekend and um, I'll tell you about it some other time, but in it they were talking about shame and guilt And this is what sin does. Sin, it it produces shame. Shame tells you you are what you've done. Guilt is you did something wrong. I did something wrong. But shame is whenever you you have lived unaware of the new covenant what it's meant for you and you have allowed shame to say I am what I've done. It's whenever I got you know, I got really angry and I said some things, and so I'm I'm am ba- I'm an angry person, and I'm I'm somebody who's just that's that's who I am. That's what shame does in your life. That's the fruit. But the Lord wants to break that cycle, and whenever you realize how good He is to you, and He's a good Father, it breaks the shame in your life that He's not calling you according to what you've done. He doesn't fix you by again. You, you he, the Lord doesn't beat you into holiness. What He does is He calls you higher. He says, Hey. You did that, but that's not you. This is who you are. Come up here. That's what he does. He calls you higher. He's not like, well, I'm just gonna beat the heck out of them and beat them to a pulp and then we'll fix them later. He's like, no, I'm just gonna lead by example and invitation. This is who I am. This is who you can be. Come and join me, right? In every area. it's, I'm, I'm gonna take a little step back before we get into talking about in you. Everybody, many of you probably know the story of the prodigal son, right? right. Prodigal son, he, you can find it in Luke 15. He goes to his dad and he says, hey, I want half. Uh, he had, there was two brothers, so he said, I want my half. And what he was really saying in that time, it would have been like him saying, dad, you're dead to me, you're dead to me because the inheritance would have been for whenever his dad would have passed, right? So he was literally saying, dad, you are worthless to me and to me you're just dead. And the father gives him grace. He gives him what the boy did not deserve. He gives him his inheritance. Gives both of his sons their inheritance. And it says that the boy goes, he wasted on wild living and he pretty much spends it all. And then it says a famine hit the land where this boy was and he's hungry, he's got no money, he's in, in a mess. And so the Bible says that he goes to a farmer and he joins himself to this man. And um, he, be, he begins to take the, he's given a job to feed the pigs. Now, if you were in the Jewish culture at that time, for you, if they were, Jesus was talking about pigs, you would have been like, that is an unclean animal. They believed that if you touched a pig, that its uncleanliness has transferred to you, and now you are unclean okay that's that that is for us we 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 think pigs are awesome, we love pork chops and bacon and all those things, right but for them, it was like no that that, that the, this story just went from bad to worse went as bad as it can get, and so this young man is now feeding pigs and it says that the slop that he was feeding the pigs became appealing to him to eat because he was so hungry. And so, then he begins, it says, the Bible says that he came to himself, meaning there was this part of him that he came to say, wait, who am I, who am I? Like, this, is, this isn't who I am. And he says, my, my father's servants eat better than I do right now. He said, I'll go and I'll just tell him that I'm not worthy to be a son. So in his, there, there it is, right? I'm not worthy to be a son. What I've done is who I am. I'm no longer son. What I've done has disqualified me from sonship. And so he goes and to his father, he's saying, I'm gonna go and I'm just gonna be a servant. And the Bible says that he's coming and while he was a long way off, the father saw him. This is a picture of how the Lord, this is a picture of the new covenant, how the Lord comes to us if we were trying to get to him, but he met us. And the Lord comes and meets the son, right? And it says that, one, it says that the the father, he, he just ran. Men in that, Jewish men that were dignified did not run. They did not run unless something was chasing them. They did not run. And so for him, what he was saying is the father, the Lord was saying, I am not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed. Jesus, what did he do? He took your shame. He was crucified naked. He was like, I'm, I'm not ashamed to give myself for you. I'm not ashamed to meet you. I'm not ashamed to come and meet you down the road. That's what Jesus did, right? And so the father, so Jesus is painting this picture of this is what the new covenant is. This is what's always been in my heart. This is how I've always treated, how I've always wanted people. This is the relationship I've wanted. So what does he do? He comes and he embraces the son, welcomes him home. And the son begins his speech, Lord, our Father, I've I've sinned against you, and I've you know I'm not worthy. And the Bible says that he, the father, wasn't even listening. He turned to his servants and he said, "Bring them my robe." Is what that best translation is that the father said, "Bring them my robe, bring him my robe, and bring him the family ring. Kill the fatted calf. We're gonna party. For my son was lost, and now he's returned. And with every step back to the house, with the robe on the son, and the new shoes and the the ring and the, the going to a party, every step he was telling everyone around them." is that this is family, this is my son. I'm not ashamed of him. Who, what he did is not who he is. That's what he, the father was saying. So not only did he do it for him, but he declared it to everyone around him. That's the new covenant. That's what the Lord does for us. That's how he treats you and me. And so that should liberate you from any voice that has told you you are what you've done. You are the mistake, you are the, the sin, you are the, the defect, it's just not true. It's not who you are. It might be something that's real, but Jesus comes and he, he overrides that. He, he took the punishment for that, he took the pain for that, he, he paid for that. It is paid for. So you no longer have to hold it, right? Amen. Y'all good this morning? All right, I'm going to move a little quick to finish up these last two because I really want to get to them. In you, and I believe this is talking about worship again. I want to read to you. This is going to be a little long, so y'all follow with me. This is Hebrews 9, starting in verse 1. What the, the writer of Hebrews is doing here is he's beginning to show an example again of under the old covenant, this is what worship looked like. This is the covenant. This is worship under the, new co- uh, the old covenant. He says, now in the first covenant, there were spef- specific rules for worship, including a sanctuary on earth to worship in. When you entered the tabernacle, you, were first, uh, you would first come into the holy chamber where you would find the lampstand and the bread of his presence on the fellowship table. Then as you passed through the next curtain, you would enter the innermost chamber called the holiest sanctuary of all, or the holy of holies. It contained the gold altar of incense and the Ark of, the covenant, of covenant Mercy, which was a wooden box covered entirely with gold and placed inside the Ark of Covenant Mercy was, uh, Covenant Mercy was the golden jar with mystery manna inside Aaron's resurrection rod, which had sprouted and the stone tablets engraved with the covenant laws. Um, what he's doing is he's painting a picture of what the tabernacle looked like in um, Israel, okay? And so he, for many of us, we reading this and we're like, hold on, what? Unless you've studied this and looked at it, and he goes on to say that all of this is significant, um, but he says, but now is not the time to discuss further the significant details of these things, okay? He's saying, I'm just giving you a picture. This is what worship looked like in the old covenant, okay? Y'all with me? So if you're saying, like, I don't know what all that means, it's okay. The writer even says, it's okay. We're not going to talk about that right now. Um, all right. So with this prescribed pattern of worship, the priest would routinely go in and out of the first chamber to perform their religious duties. And the high priest was permitted to enter in the holiest sanctuary of all only once a year, and he could never enter without Uh, first offering sacrificial blood for both his own sins and for the sins of the people. Now the Holy Spirit uses the symbols of this pattern of worship to reveal that the perfect way of holiness had not yet been unveiled. So holiness, he's talking about an inward thing here. He's saying even under the new covenant with worship, what was done in you, it hadn't been perfected yet. It was a picture. It was a picture of things to come. Okay, y'all with me? All right. All right. For as long as the tabernacle stood it was an illustration that pointed to our present time of fulfillment demonstrating that offerings and animal sacrifices had failed to perfectly cleanse the conscience of the worshiper the conscience of the worshiper for this old pattern of worship was a matter of external rules and rituals concerning food and drink and ceremonial washings which was imposed upon us until the appointed time of the heart rest uh, um, I'm sorry was imposed upon us until the appointed time of heart restoration had arrived. So what was the new covenant about? The new covenant was all about heart restoration. It was about heart restoration. It was no longer, I'm just responding to some rules and patterns. There's something that's happened inside of me that is affecting everything else in my life. All right? But now, say, but now, The anointed one has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. Talking about Jesus. For he serves in a greater, more perfect, heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not a part of this creation. And he has entered once and forever into the holiest sanctuary of all, not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but with the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone has made our salvation secure forever. And he alone has made our salvation secure forever. Under the old covenant... The blood of bulls, goats, and the ashes of a um, cow were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah, Jesus, thoroughly cleanse our consciences forever, right? Right? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. So let me read that again. For for by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works. So it freed us from dead works, just trying to get to God. And now we are free, free to what? We're free to worship. We're free to worship and serve the living God. Let me tell you this. Why is worship important? And we've said this before, but worship, God, does God need worship? No. Um, If he needs it, then he's no longer God. But he wants it because of what happens to you when you worship. Worship is agreeing with who God is. You become what you behold. Why do we spend time here and why do we come in with thanksgiving and worship as we gather? It's because we need to behold him. It's bringing us into right thinking. It's bringing us as we see him, what a beautiful name it is. You have no rival. Oh, hold on. This week I've been living and I wasn't aware that you have no rival. So as I worship what's happening, is I'm seeing you for who you are and it's changing. It's changing how I think and how I live. That's why we have to continually come to him. That's why it doesn't work if this is only a Sunday morning experience for you. You every day, you've gotta continually feed on him. He's got, every day you have to behold him because you begin to forget who you are, right? So he sets you free to worship undignified. It's what I, as I worship, this is why it's, wor- it's important that you worship, not worried about what anybody else thinks. It's because it's in that moment you actually become who you really are. If you're here and you're like, man, I wanna, I wanna lift my hands, I wanna give him praise, I wanna worship him, but what about everybody else? It's, it's keeping you from becoming who you really are. And the Lord, I believe even today is saying, I want you to let go of that hand of fear. I want you to quit holding hands with fear. Come and walk with me, come and know me. So Jesus is the one who has enacted a new covenant with a new relationship with God so that those who accept the invitation will receive the internal inheritance he has promised to his heirs. Did you know you're an heir? Ephesians says you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So who has done that? Jesus. So he did it for you, and now by he sets you free to worship so that in you things begin to shift and change. It's the awakening of the heart. It is the awakening of the, the heart that says, Oh, I can be me. No longer am I bound by the things that said I am what I did. I no longer am. I no longer am what I did. I am what He did. I am. I'm called now according to what He did, not what I did. Right? For He died to release us. Can we just let that soak in. For He died to release us to release you, there's something about, I feel like there's something even about that. Some of you are like, I want to be released. I need to be released. There's something that's been holding me. I need to be released. He died so that you could be released from the guilt of the violations committed under the first covenant. So you can behold him and you become what you behold. You have been set free to worship so that you can become like him. So what was done in you. Last one. You're good. Through you, what he does through you now. In Hebrews ten fourteen, it says, and by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. You have been made holy and complete. You're just learning to walk in it. You've been made holy and complete. You just need to realize it and walk in it. You're learning to wear it. It's the new robe he's given you. You're just learning to wear it well. Don't beat yourself up because you feel like, well, I haven't been that. No, it's who you are. You just have to learn to walk in it. Um, The Holy Spirit confirms this to us by scripture for the Lord says, afterwards I will give them this covenant. I will embed my laws into their hearts and fasten my word to their thoughts. And then he says, I will not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? Some of you have been trying to Pay penance for your sin. You've you've tried to, I've done this and I need to pay for it. Truth is, when you do that, you disregard the cross. You can't, you set yourself up to not receive what Christ has done. He's asking you to not pay for the sin. He's asking you to come and just recognize what he has paid for. All right, and now, say, and now, We are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus, amen. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. Wow, the new covenant means what what the high priest could do once a year. And if in some way they were unclean, they would die if they went to Holy of Holies. You mean now under the new covenant, I can come and go freely, boldly and without hesitation. Without, that's why I come, I'm like, man, God, I know I don't have it all together, but I'm here to the holy of holies. I need you. And, and the Bible says, as we encounter the holy one, he makes us holy. Man, you've been invited. You've been invited into the most holy place. Everything that separated you from, the, from God has been done away with. And this is no longer about you following a set of rules, this is about you coming into the innermost place of his dwelling and saying, God, I need to encounter you so I can become exactly who you always created me to be and so I can be in relationship and I can learn to worship and I can learn to rejoice and I can learn to actually what it means by receiving how to walk in joy and peace and righteousness and goodness. Alright, for just as the veil was torn in two, if you remember the story, Jesus dies and the veil in the temple split in two, it's split in two, so it says, for just as the veil, it was a physical tearing of the veil, the veil that, that separated that was going into the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died, when he drew his last breath, that veil split in the temple. It tore in half. It was, it was creation responding to there is no separation now. It is finished. It has been done. There's nothing. I can come before him anytime, anywhere. He dwells in me. And since we now have a magnificent high priest To welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. That's the new covenant. And then it says this, now, this is what you do with it. He says, so now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within you. Knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion. Doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge others onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Talking about the day he returns. So it was done for you. is doing it in you and you, what it looks like manifesting through you is that you say I've got to be around the people of God I've got to be around hurting people and I've got to allow the love of God to be expressed through my life that's what the new covenant does in your life amen alright let's stand amen is anybody glad for the new covenant I would say um, we've got to keep this in front of us We need, we need. We have to keep who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he wants to do in front of us. We have to keep Jesus in front of us, at the center, because it's better than you think. It is life. It's the only life. So this morning, Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you that they are receptors of this new covenant. They are heirs not according to their works and their goodness, but according to your love and your affection and what you have done. Today, I thank you, Lord, for every person in the room who has been led by shame and guilt, who has been plagued, Lord, by condemnation. I thank you for freedom right now. I thank you that your word goes forth today and it washes them clean, that the power of your word even right now is washing guilt and shame from minds and hearts. I thank you, Lord, for those who have come and don't know you, that they know that there is nothing that has separated them from you. I thank you, Lord, that you are removing every lie that has told people that they aren't good enough, that it wasn't for them, that their mistakes and their stuff has disqualified them. I thank you, Lord, that you are obliterating every lie right here in that mo- this moment. And I thank you, Lord, that your people are free to worship. They are free to be who you called them to be. They are free to express gratitude, love, and affection back to you as they have received love and affection from you. And so today, Lord, we worship you, we honor you. I'd say this, if you say this, my life has been controlled by guilt and shame, I have felt heavy. I would say in this moment, just respond to the Lord. In this moment, invite him into every part and every place of your life. Surrender, it's not what you can do. You can't fix it, you can't fix you. Let's just get that out the way, you can't fix you. But you can surrender to the one who works miracles and who brings life to everything he touches. And he loves you. He thought of you at the cross. As he was paying and sealing this new covenant, he thought of you. He had you in mind. And so you can stand here today and just receive that. If you've dealt with shame, I just want you even now just to release that to the Lord. Just release that to him. He he doesn't stand accusing you. I'm gonna end with this one thing. Jesus met a, actually a a woman who'd been caught in adultery had been brought to him and by some religious leaders. And they said, Jesus, according to this law, this woman should be stoned. What do you say? He looks around and he says, tells the Pharisees, he says, you who have no sin, you can throw go ahead and throw the stone, go ahead. It says one by one from oldest to youngest, the stones begin to hit the ground and they begin to walk away. And then Jesus turns to the woman. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? Where are the ones that are gonna punish you? She said, they are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you. And I feel like what the Lord's saying for those today who have felt the weight of sin and shame, that today he's saying, where are your accusers? says, neither do I accuse you. Some of you need to receive that deep in your soul, as he says, neither do I accuse you. I don't accuse you. So Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. We love you. Today, if, if we can pray with you, we'd love to do that. We're gonna have our prayer team. Please don't, if you're saying, hey, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure about this. I feel like the Lord wants to do more in me We'd wanna pray with you. We wanna join with you. We wanna come into agreement with the Lord for you. So come and we'll be here. And so our prayer team, you can make your way up. Let me bless you, Jesus. I bless your people in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that we are yours and you are ours. I thank you that this was all you're doing and it's better than we think. Teach us how to live in the reality of the new covenant in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.